Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. I am back. I don't know if you guys listened to last week's episode, but Allie took over. I was, what was I doing? Oh yeah, I went to Argentina to go watch Boca Juniors play. I'm trying to grab the shirt to show you. Um, yeah, I'll tell you about that. Remember, follow me on Instagram at the Jesus Show NTO. You can find me on Facebook. Type in the Jesus Show, not that one. You can find me on TikTok at the Jesus Show, not that one. YouTube, type in the Jesus Show, not that one. And you can email me your questions, comments, and concerns. The Jesus Show NTO at gmail.com. All right, let's jump right into it. I think I haven't talked to you guys in, what, maybe like two weeks, I think it's been. It's been a while. Once again, some of the topics I have on my run of show are a little outdated. So, that's just the way it goes. But I wanted to start off the show, what, a couple weeks ago, I was working a flight with with one of my coworkers. And we're on the flight, midway through the flight, the flight attendant comes up and goes, hey, just FYI, the guy sitting, I think he was sitting in 38C, he was in the aisle. He says, I was picking, the flight attendant tells me I was picking up trash. And this passenger tells me, you know, hands me the in-flight magazine. And says, you can throw this out. And the flight attendant goes, oh no, you can just leave it as your seat back pocket. You don't have to throw it out. And the guy goes, have you seen what's in here? The flight attendant goes, no. Just so you guys know, most of us don't know what's inside that magazine. Most of us don't know what's in the seat back pocket. I know there's, what's in there? I know there's a magazine, a barf bag, safety card. There might be one more thing. I really don't know. I think I goes, you know, he shows the flight attendant. It has this. And it said the company's name. And it said something like pride and the rainbow flag. The flight attendant goes, okay. The guy goes, I don't agree with that. You can throw it away. And as the flight attendant's telling me this, I went, what? And he says, he tells me, he goes, "Um, I told him, well, you don't have to agree with it, but you can shut it. And put it back in the seat back pocket. And not read it. And the passenger goes on to tell him. Yeah, but. You know, I, I need to put this in the trash. And the flight attendant goes, no, you don't. You just have to shut it and not look at it. That's it. And he walked away. So as he's telling me. I got. I got angry. I initially got angry. 
massive flight attendant. How, like, I told him, I said, how are, how are you feeling? What do, you, what do you want me to do? Because I was in charge of the flight. I said, how, how can I... Like, what do, you, what do you want me to do about this situation? He goes, nothing. I took care of it. I said, okay. I asked, I said, do you want me to talk to him? Do you want me to... He goes, no, no. He said, I think that would only make it worse. He goes, and it's not, it's not a big deal. And I told the flight attendant, I go, well, it may not seem like a big deal. I said, but... A person's a piece of shit, is what I told him. Flight attendant goes, I know. Um, but, you know, it's done. I said, okay. So I told the flight attendant, if there's anything else that comes up, please let me know and tell me how I can better assist you. I goes, yeah, I will. And then nothing happened the rest of the flight. But I thought to myself, and all, all this is assumption on my part. But it was right, right when a bunch of these dum-dums were getting upset because Target had a pride section and people were posting videos about, you know, oh, it's in the kids section and whatever. And again, I can only imagine that that person saw something to that effect on the entertainment channel that they watch that is not news and they thought oh let me do something on the plane and i just think to myself i i i'll never understand you know whether it comes to race religion or sexual orientation. If you're mostly sexual orientation, I guess sexual orientation and religion. No. No, it doesn't matter. Sexual orientation, religion, race. If you're not doing anything to hurt other people, the fuck do I care? Like, who do, who do I care who you're sleeping with? That does not affect me. And I, I don't understand why people have such a problem. But on the flip side, you have a lot of religious, religious, religious people who rape little kids who molest little kids, who, not just little kids, but adults as well. As well. It doesn't seem like anybody, though, it, does, it seems like those people don't care. Like they look and they're like, mm, well, what can you do? But the moment you're like, oh, the gays, like, oh, the gays are bad. Mm, the gays are fun. I think that's the problem. I think these people who have an issue with that, They've never hung out with somebody like that. Because, I mean, ah, oh, the times that I've been 
to West Hollywood, West Hollywood, or down in Long Beach. Anywhere. It's so much fun. Have the best time. It just sucked that that person said that. And I, I, I was a little shocked. It's like one of those things where you hear it. You know it's out there. But they think, I, I'm not going to encounter it. And then you do and you're like, whoa, shit. Um, so yeah, that was, that was shitty. You know, one thing I don't understand. I remember seeing it as a kid. And I recently saw it on the plane again. But people wear hats with the stickers on them. I don't understand that. I remember, I think I was working for Budweiser. Was it? Yeah, yeah. I was working for Budweiser. And I went to Lids at the Montclair Plaza. And I wanted a hat. And I thought, oh, what, what hat should I get? And I remember getting an Angels hat because at the time I was an Angels fan. Oh, yeah, a hat would be cool. And I want to say, growing up, I wanted hats. Because, again, I, I saw people with hats. I saw a hat, and I thought, oh, that'd be cool. But my mom, she would say, no. No, you don't want to wear hats. You don't want to wear hats. Which I always thought, like, but wait, but I, but I do. That's why I'm telling you I would like a hat. But there was a lot of that shit where I would say, hey, can I, or I want. And she would go, no. I don't know exactly why she said no. My assumption on that is either, I can only assume maybe she didn't have the money for it. So telling me no was easier, which I can understand that now. Now I can understand that. Or it was that she didn't like it and she didn't. She thought, ah, that's dumb. Then she just passed it on to, or told me like, no. So instead of saying yes. She was like, man, that's dumb. No, never mind. Like, you're not going to do that. And I hope, I hope that's something that I don't do to my son. I don't want to just because I don't agree with it or I think it's silly. I don't think I want to stop him from doing something or wanting something. And obviously, if I can provide it for him, I will. Uh, or at least I hope I will. Um, but I do remember when I, when I bought the angel's hat, I left the sticker on for a while. And then I just thought to myself, this is so dumb. Like, why, why do I have the sticker on it? Why don't I take the sticker off? But even then, people would walk around with the stickers on the hat. I can't tell you exactly how long I had the hat, but may, I, maybe I had the hat for a month or two. And then I was like, this is stupid. I'm, I'm taking it off. So I took it off. 
And at the time I thought to myself, am I ever going to understand why this is cool? And I never did. And even now, like I said, when I see people with stickers on the hats, I think to myself, why don't, I don't understand. What? Is it because they're trying to give the illusion that they just came from the hat store? They just came, they, they just purchased the hat and they put it on and then they go out into the world. And maybe people think, oh, that's a fresh hat. But are we, a, are we a society that values fresh hats? Like freshly purchased hats? If we are, I've never heard of this thing. Or I've never heard of people valuing, right? Did I say that right? People valuing, value, valuing a brand new hat on somebody's head? I don't know. If any of you guys understand that, uh, please reach out and let me know because I didn't understand it when I was younger and I definitely don't understand it now that I'm older. I had a crew member that didn't work for us. Both times they didn't work for us. Those crew members, uh, one of them was a flight attendant and another one was a pilot. A couple months ago, I had a flight attendant whoops, for a regional carrier. She comes on and she says, oh, is there any space for my bag? I'm at the, I'm towards the back of the plane. And I go, yeah, yeah, we got, we got space. Cause I'd look up. I don't even look at her, her luggage because in my head, I think she's a crew member. Her bags are going to fit. She asks, and I look at the bins. And I go, yeah, we got plenty of space. And she says, I just hope it fits. I went, yeah, it will. And then I look down. For example, let's say a regular bag is maybe this, not this one, but like this wide. Or deep, I should say deep. This deep. So when you put it in the overhead bin, it fits. It fits without issue. She had popped it out, so she extended it. And then on top of extending the bag, she had stuff in it even more. So now the bag is. And I look at her and I go, this is your bag? She goes, yeah. You think it'll fit? And I go, no. She looks at me. She's like, you don't think it's, it's going to fit? And I go, no, it, it's not going to fit. She's like, oh, what do you think I should do? And I go, take stuff out. So she says, oh. And I look at her and I go, are you, are you a flight attendant? And she goes, yeah. And I go, are you, are you new? She goes, no, I've been doing this for five years. And I go, that's odd because I think at this point you would know that that's not going to fit. She goes, oh, I do Houston to Denver all the time. And I go, I'm, I'm sure you do. 
But with your back like that all the time? So she kind of gives me like a... <laughs> and I walk away because at this point I'm like, I'm not gonna... I'm not going to engage with you because you're clearly not getting it. I shouldn't have had to tell her in the first place that it didn't fit. She should know it doesn't fit. So I walk away. I'm helping, you know, counting bags and making sure, you know, we got space. And I look towards the back and she's having trouble putting the bag in. And in my head, I'm like, well, yeah, duh, because it doesn't fit. It's too big. Then I see here, then I see her asking passengers. There's this guy, she has these two guys to help her put it up. And it's not fitting. And I can see that they're trying to put it in. How can I? So, okay, so here's the top of the screen, right? So instead of fitting it like this, it's like this. So the top, see where you can't see my finger? It's like hitting the top. So it's not going in. So I can see that. So I, you know, slowly walking to the back. And I say, is there a problem? She goes, my bag's not fitting. And I go, yeah, I know. I told you it wasn't going to fit. She goes, well, how can I get it in? I said, you can take things out of it. I said, but it's not, it's not going to fit like that. I said, and I don't know why I have to tell you again then she tells me you don't have to have an attitude with me I said I, I'm not I don't have an attitude with you I've told you I said this is the fifth time that I'm telling you that your bag is not going to fit I said and you still proceeded to try to put the bag up I said and you asked passengers to help you that's one I said number two I said, I shouldn't have to tell you that this bag isn't going to fit. I said, you're, you said you're a flight attendant. I said, if you're a flight attendant, you should understand and know already before you even come onto the plane that your bag is not going to fit. I said, it's weird that I have to tell you that it's not going to fit. I go, I think it's weird that I have to tell you you should take things out of your bag to make it fit. I go again, you should know these things. So I, I told her, I said, if it doesn't fit, I said, I think I told her something to the effect of, I think you know the next step. The next step is we check your bag because it doesn't fit. I go, but I'll let you figure that out. I think at that point we still had 20 minutes in the boarding process. So it wasn't like it was, you know, we were like running, uh, like tight on time. And she ended up taking, she ended up taking a bunch of stuff out. Then it fit. And at the end, I was kind of being a dick and I looked at her and I said, so it fit now? She went, yeah. And I said, you had to take a bunch of stuff out? She goes, yeah. And I went, okay, that's it. And the second time, most recently, that I had an issue was we had a pilot come on with his wife and I think it was his wife's roller and it was one of the extra big rollers, not, to, not the regular ones that fit comfortably, 
like the oversized ones. And the pilot comes on. I'm in charge of the flight, so I'm in front. And he's one of the, him and his wife are one of the last people to get on. And he goes, is there any backspace? And I say, yeah, there's backspace. He goes, you think my bag's going to fit? And again, I made this mistake. Without looking at the bag, I said, yeah, it's going to fit. Because again, I think as a crew member, they would know better. So then he, he rolls it right by me and he starts going down the aisle and I look at it and me and the first class flight attendant look at each other and we go, that's not going to fit. So I go, excuse me, sir. He goes, yeah. And I said, uh, that's not going to fit. And he goes, which shocked me. He said the thing that passengers always say, it fit on my last flight. And I go, what plane were you on? And he tells me he was on an RJ which is even smaller than the plane that we were on. And I go, no, that's impossible. Even regular bags, they, they, they check them. They gate check it and you, you get it right there at the gate too. But I was like, no, that's impossible. He goes, well, it fit on my last flight. And I go, okay, I'm letting you know it's not going to fit on here. And he goes, well, can I check? And I go, feel free. So he goes, he opens up a bunch of bins and he's trying to move, he's moving stuff around. He's taking people's bags, putting them on the opposite side. He's, he's playing Tetris. And I'm at the front of the plane, just looking at him. He does this for about six to seven minutes. And then he starts wheeling it towards the front. And then I put a smile on my face and I go, and he goes, it, it's not fitting. And I go, you don't say. He goes, well, my last flight, I said, mm-hmm, that's fine. I said, but I told you it wasn't going to fit on this one, right? He goes, well, I thought I could make it fit. And I go, okay. You told me that. And I told you that it wasn't going to fit. And I think I'm right. Because it doesn't fit right. And he goes, well, I just told you that. And I said, okay. <laughs> Well, we're going to have to check it. And he goes, there's not a closet that we can? And I said, no, absolutely not. Maybe if he was nice coming on, maybe. But we didn't even have, the closet that we had on board was super small. Barely even fit our bags. I just thought, dumb. Like, huh? Those are the things that flight attendants do. Crew members, I should say crew members. There's th things that crew members do that you think to yourself are two things. Are you new? Do you not know? Or are you just a dum-dum? Uh, because you don't know what you're doing, and you should. Did you guys watch the TST soccer tournament? It was a tournament that went... What, from the 1st, June 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, four days? It was a tournament. I can't remember how many teams they were. But uh, AJ's team, Zala, they had a team. And it was, it was a lot of good teams. It was, uh, fuck, why am I drawing a blank? Wrexham sent a team. 
I think it was seven on seven, smaller fields. They played two 20-minute halves. They had this thing where whoever scores, so for example, you have a game and let's say team A and B are playing. Let's say team A, after the two 20-minute halves, is up 2-0. Then they play on it like a third period, if you will. Mostly it's a, like a sudden death. And they have a target score. The target score is always one more than the leading team. Or one, yeah, one more point um, onto the final score. So if team A is winning 2-0 to zero after the two 20-minute halves, they go into the target score, and the target score now becomes 3. Meaning team A only has to score one goal to win, or team B could score three goals in that time, and then team B wins. I believe every five minutes, you, you, again, you're playing 7-on-7. Seven seven. Every five minutes, if nobody's scoring, they take a player off. So you start the target score time, and nobody scores in the, in the first five minutes, now it's 6-on-6. Six six. Another five minutes goes, 5-on-5. Five five. Another five minutes, 4-on-4. Four four. And it gets tighter, and you know, it gets super entertaining. And AJ's team, I believe it was twice, they got into the target score and they needed to score like three to win. And they did. It was an insane tournament. I hope for next year I'm able to go and watch it in person all four days. And they play for a million dollars at the end. AJ's team was one win away from playing in the million dollar game which was i thought was really cool they lost that sucked but it was very entertaining if you guys didn't see it you should watch it if you have was it was it on peacock i can't remember where it was at yeah i think it was on peacock i think if you have peacock or nbc like streaming NBC, no, NBC is Peacock. Yeah, if you have Peacock, you can search TST, and it's a soccer tournament. I believe they still have all the games uh, that you can watch on replay. Like I said, it's a two 20-minute halves, and then the target score. It, there was some wild, wild games. It's, it's worth watching. A couple weeks ago, I was supposed to go to Honolulu. I picked up the Honolulu trip. The first day, can't remember, did we do, I think we did Chicago, Denver, Denver, Houston, Houston, San Antonio. We ended up in San Antonio. I think that's what it was. It was three legs. We're in San Antonio for something like 16 hours the next day we were supposed to go San Antonio Houston Houston Honolulu I think like 27 hour layover and then the last day Honolulu back to Chicago 
the next day I get into the van and one of my crew members goes, Oh, did you see we're already delayed? And I go, no. She goes, yeah, we're delayed. And I said, Oh, that sucks. Then we had an hour, five minutes to get to our next flight. So then we start talking and we go, Oh, we might just, they might send pre-boarders. And then by the time we get to the flight, the plane will already be boarded and stuff. And then we'll just switch out. And then, you know, we go get on the plane and I think we were like maybe 15 minutes delayed. Nothing crazy. So we get everybody on board and all of a sudden I hear from the flight deck, here's somebody on the radio say, we're going to have to defuel you. And I hear it, I go, defuel, wait, what? I know there's fueling you put gas on, but defueling, is that when they take gas off, huh? So here the captain, he's like, blah, 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 blah. So I go into the flight deck, I close the door, and I go, hey, guys, quick question. Captain goes, yeah. And I go, did I just hear we're going to have to defuel, like take fuel off? And the captain goes, yeah, I was just going to call you in to talk to you about that. And I went, so what's going on? And he says, you heard that correctly. He said, they're going to have to defuel us. They're going to have to take fuel off the plane. And I said, oh, I don't, I, I don't think I've ever heard that. And he goes, it doesn't happen often, but it does happen. He explains that the plane, so the plane we were on was in our original plane. Something happened to our original plane. They never made it to San Antonio. There was some delays and stuff. So the night before, I think it was the night before. I think the night before, or it could have been that it could have been that morning. I don't remember when. At some point, the plane that we were on was supposed to go somewhere else. I think it was supposed to go San Antonio, Newark. So much longer flight than San Antonio, Houston. San Antonio, Houston is like 29 minutes. I think you reach max maybe 20,000 feet. Even that might be a little high, maybe 15 to 18,000 feet. On a flight from San Antonio to Newark, you're reaching 32 to 38,000 feet. You're going a good distance. It's at least a three-hour flight. Again, San Antonio, Houston, 25 to 32 maybe minutes. Minutes, not hours, minutes. So the captain says, we're way too heavy to land. He says, we, we could land this heavy in Houston, but it could mess up the plane. Like something can crack on landing. Um, it could put too much stress on the, on the landing gear. It could, it could mess stuff up and it won't, it won't necessarily mess stuff up for us. Like we'll make it there. We'll land safely, but it, it's not going to be safe for the next crew to take this plane out because something might break 
to the effect of it's not going to be safe to take back into the sky. So I went, what? I go, so how do they defuel this? He goes, it's a long process. And I went, really? And he goes, at least an hour. Because it might, we're looking more like hour and a half to two hours. And I said, oh, shit. Mind you, we have everybody on board. The gate agents were like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Because they're trying to get the, the plane out. There's people that have connections, all that stuff. So the captain comes out of the flight deck showing people his face and he gets on the thing. He's like, hey, ladies and gentlemen, they just told me that they have to do this. Then he goes, and the even more good news is you guys all have to get off the plane because we can't do it with passengers on board. It's an FAA regulation. So some people were like, hmm, shit happens. Other people were like, you guys are stupid. People get off. And then we ended up missing. Because I think at that point we were two and a half hours late. Or we were going to be two and a half hours late. So we were missing our Honolulu flight. So that part sucked. I was really hoping to go to Honolulu. So we get everybody off. They defuel. We get everybody on. We get to Houston. And there was this old lady. I feel like in her head, she was giving me the business. Like, you guys suck. As she's leaving, she says, I told, you know, because I tell everybody, you know, hey, have a good rest of your day. Thank you for flying with us. Have a good day. Have a good weekend. Have a good week. You know, whatever. And she's coming towards us. And I go, have a good rest of your day. Oh, no, no. I said, thank you for flying with us. And she goes, no, no, thank you. You may, she was Hispanic. She goes, no, you made me lay for my next flight. No, thank you. And I said, okay, no, thank you. <laughs> and again, I know she was, I know she was angry and I know she was giving me the business. But the way she said, no, no, thank you was adorable. And even to this day, I think I, I hear her head or I hear her voice in my head, her going, no, thank you. So I'm like, oh. Um, but yeah, that sucked. We ended up going, well, we got to Houston, went to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh back home. The good thing was, my four-day turned into a two-day. So I was only gone, for, you know, I was only gone for two days, and I got paid for four, so that was nice. Those are times where I go, mm, okay, not too bad. But also, I would have liked to enjoy that Honolulu layover. I don't know what I was trying to do with this next topic, but this is what I wrote down. Imagine if your butthole got loose from years of farting, <laughs> or that, or is it that it gets tighter because the farts are consistently working? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. I don't know how I thought of this. Mostly, I don't know how I think of most of the things I think of or even want to talk about, but I do. But yeah, I thought to myself, does your butthole get looser with time and farts? 
or does it get tighter because it's, it's, it's a muscle, right? You go to the gym and the more you work out, squat stuff, whatever, you're building muscle. You're getting stronger. The muscles are growing. So it's like, you know, just like, right? So I thought, is that a thing? Is this a scientific fact? Or, or, I guess the third option is, are buttholes just tight all the time? And how do you get loose butthole? Is it like a genetic thing? Like, oh yeah, my grandfather has loose butthole. <laughs> oh man, that made me laugh. Like, yeah, you know, grandpa, he just has, you know, loose butthole. Like, oh man, that sucks. You're going to get loose butthole? Yeah. I think he started getting loose butthole at, you know, like 54. Like, oh man. Is there any way to fix it? No. Just got to accept it. Just got to start wearing diapers. Like, oh man. Or on the flip side, you go, oh yeah, you know Grandpa Dave? Yeah. Pfft. He can snap a metal rod with a butthole. What? Yeah. He just, it has, it's so strong. He just, boom. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know where I was going with that, but I thought about that. I believe. Oh, I was sitting, where was I sitting? I think I was sitting in uh, Pittsburgh. I think it was the day that my flight got all messed up. I had just got, yeah, I had just got Chick-fil-A. I'm sitting in a corner, not next to, I'm, I'm away from everybody. I'm in like this little corner, I'm charging my phones, kind of secluded. And I was listening to your mom's house podcast. And that, that thought just came into my head and I started dying laughing, dying laughing. A couple of people passed by and I'm sure they were like, what's wrong with that guy? Yeah, I thought it was funny. So, so PSG, PSG fans were booing Messi the last game of his PSG career. I don't know if you guys have heard, but Messi is coming to MLS to play for Inter-Miami. That's going to be insane. His first game is scheduled, I believe, to be July 21st versus Cruz Azul. Um, it's a tournament that MLS and Liga MX are having. I think this is the second year. This might be the first year. I don't remember. But it's... Uh, it's like a tournament in a tournament. Because I believe all MLS teams and all Liga MX teams are competing. And I believe there's more MLS teams. But I think for the most part, each group has four teams, top two advance. And there's like two MLS teams, two Liga MX teams. And then I think some of the groups might have three MLS teams and one Liga MX team because I really don't know. I haven't really bothered to look at the format of uh, that tournament 
Is it? No. Is it League's Cup? I think. I don't know what. I don't even know what it's called. But anyways, Messi's first game is going to be July 21st against Cruz Azul. So I'll definitely be watching that one. But the last game of the season, PSG fans were booing Messi. And I thought to myself, what a bunch of fucking assholes. You have one of or the greatest soccer player to grace the sport. And he chose to go play for your stupid fucking club when he could have gotten, he could have gone anywhere and he chose PSG. And these fucking PSG fans are booing him. They should thank him. He helped them win. With the time he was there, he helped them win two league cups. You know, this past season, they didn't do that great. But they won, they won the league. Could they have done better? Of course. But they won the league. But for these fans to boo Messi? That's like if... That's like if NBA fans were to boo Michael Jordan when he went to the Wizards. It's Michael Jordan, one of the greatest players to play basketball. You say thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for picking our, our, our little team. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. Thank you for playing here. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to watch you live day in and day out whenever I could. Thank you. No, PSG fans booed him. Fuck PSG. Fuck those fans. Fuck the club. I hope they never win any Champions League ever. Just, what it, when I heard that, when I saw the videos, I was like, what? Garbage people to boo Messi. I, even just saying it sounds weird. You booed Messi? Huh? You know when... Was it against... No, Cristiano Ronaldo was playing for Real Madrid. They went to Juventus to play. Could have been quarterfinals or something. And Cristiano scored that bicycle kick. Amazing bicycle kick. He scores on Gigi Buffon, the Italian goalkeeper. And they, mind you, Real Madrid is playing away at Juventus' home. He hits that spectacular bicycle kick. And the fans in the stadium there stood and applauded him because they understood, number one, they understand soccer. Number two, they understand what I, what I just watched was amazing by one of the greatest players. 
you can't fucking get mad at that. You just, you stand up and you, hey, good job. They understood. They wanted their team to win, but Cristiano scores that fucking fantastic goal on your ass. You just, well, I guess there's nothing we can do. You stand up. Insane. Insane that they would boo Messi. It's insane when people boo Cristiano. It's, I think to myself, are you, are you okay? Yes, he may not be playing for the team that you support, but you're, you're watching greatness. Just appreciate it. It's, it's okay to appreciate greatness. You don't have to boo it. You don't. When you guys are drinking your water or Gatorade, yeah, water or Gatorade. Do you guys ever shake it? You guys have your water bottle, right? And then you just... And then you take a sip? Or with your Gatorade? You guys do that? I do it. I'm going to tell you why I do it. There's a couple reasons. One of the reasons is... In my head, I feel like there's good things in there that need to be activated with shaking of the water and or Gatorade. So I shake it up and then I drink it. And then in my head, I'm like, I'm getting the good stuff. Because in my head, the good stuff is settled at the bottom. So I need to shake it. And I chug it. And then I feel like, it's inside my body. Um, but I know that's not how it works, but I do that. I do that a lot. If I'm at the gym, I shake my water bottle. <laughs> and there's many times where I'm drinking it and I go, there's, there's nothing in there. There's nothing that I've added to this water bottle to make me need to shake it. But in my head, I go, oh, maybe. Maybe some midichlorians snuck into my water bottle and maybe I'm consuming the force. I don't know. Maybe I have the force now. Okay, maybe not. But hey, who knows? Maybe one day. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I might shake it and then I'll start Spider-Man. I, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm not an expert. I don't know. I'm going to continue to do it because... You never know. Uh, two things I want to end on. First, I want to tell you about my Argentina trip real quick. I went down to Argentina last week. I had told Allie, hey, I'm going to go to Argentina. I, gotta, I want to go see Bruno. And she goes, yeah. She had told me, so I was flying out, what, the 9th? 9, 10, 11, 12. The 9th, I was coming back to 12th. And I go, but I'm going to pick up a trip. And she goes, okay, pick up a good two-day, 7 and 8. So on the 9th, you can just go to the airport, relax, get on your flight, everything's fine, good. And I went, no, I'm going to pick up a three-day. So I pick up this really good three-day. It was worth some really good hours. 
I think it was a three day worth like 22 hours. The bad part was the Newark to LA portion, day two, I had a 10 hour, like 10 hour and five minute layover in LA, meaning the flight from Newark had to be on time for me to get to LA on time to have that to then work the next day, work the flight, come into Chicago, and then have plenty of time to get from Chicago down to Houston. And I was checking a bag. Well, when I get to the first flight from Houston to Newark, the person I'm going to uh, LA with, because I stayed with them with one person, he says, uh, oh, do you see you were already late out of Newark? And I went, what? He's like, yeah, we're like an hour and a half delayed. And I went, so per FAA regulation, we need to have at least a 10-hour layover. Anything under 10 hours, they have to either they'll delay the flight, they'll take crew members off and replace them, they'll change your check-in. There's a lot of, th- lot of different things but they have to give us at least 10 hours. It used to be 8.45. That sucked. Now we get at least 10, which I believe it should be at least 12. But that's a whole different conversation. We get to Newark, we're waiting around, waiting around, and then it says, we're leaving. We're only going to be 45 minutes delayed. And me and the other guy, we're like, no, we're not. And sure enough, no, we weren't. Because it's Newark. Newark is a shit show. So then they end up taking me off the flight for the next day. And I thought, this is perfect. Because now, instead of having to fly back to Chicago and then go to Houston, I can just go from L.A. Because I assumed they were going to deadhead me. Uh, perfect. I can fake my deadhead. I can go from LA, Houston, Houston down Argentina. This is going to be good. Well, false. They said, you know, the early flight you're going to work and get back to Chicago. I think I was supposed to get back to Chicago at, I think originally 1 p.m., which was good because I was trying to take, I think, like the 3 p.m. flight. I was like, oh, this is gonna this is gonna work. They went, no. You're working the next flight, which is gonna get you to Chicago at 2.15. And I had to switch my flight, I think, to the 4 p.m. flight. So I had had an hour, I had an hour seven from when I landed in Chicago. Mind you, the flight would have had to been on time or early. And then when I got to Houston, I had an hour 10 to get from, you know, once I land in Houston, again, that flight needed to be on time or, or early to make the Argentina flight. I was like, fuck. I was, stre- I was working, but I was stressing. 
So I have the bag. Oh, and then the other fun thing, the gate agent, when I got to, you know, when I was in LA, I was like, hey, I need you guys to check this bag for me, you know, to Chicago because I need to take it with me. And they go, well, we can't do that. And I went, huh? And they said, we can check it at 45 minutes before push. And I go, cool. I'm working the flight and I have to be there an hour before. And they go, well, I don't know what you want us to do. And I went, You would think that people in your own company would help you out, and they won't. It's, it's weird. It's not like I'm a regular passenger, and it's not that I'm just flying. I'm not even flying standby. I'm working the flight. I was able to figure all that out. I got the bag onto the flight. And we were 20 minutes delayed out of LA. And I was like, shit. Because also, my next flight, I'm flying standby. So I need to at least check the bag at 45 minutes. Things were on my side. We push. We get up in the air. And the captain calls. And he tells me, hey, just FYI, we're going to be 25 minutes early. We're flying a little fast. We have some tailwind. And I went, oh, this is great. So then I get off the flight. We get to Chicago, get off the flight, and I have to go from C all the way to the B concourse to get my bag that was checked. I go up to the uh, ticket counter, and I have to have them check it. For some reason, it wasn't letting it let me check it. So, you know, the gate agents, thankfully, they did some stuff. They finally figured it out. They said, okay, you're good. Then I went through security. I was like, I gotta, I gotta get there, I gotta get there. But I got there, right as I got there, they had just started boarding, and then it was looking bleak. I'm looking on the standby list, and boom, I get a seat. It's the very last row in the middle, and I'm like, I don't care, I just, I need to be on this flight. I get on, they close the door, we're about to push back, and I see somebody standing up in the middle of the aisle, and I'm like, what's going on? And I hear the flight attendants go, that person doesn't have a seat, we're going to have to go back to the gate. So I raise my hand real quick, and I, I'm in uniform. Raise my hand, and when a flight attendant goes, yeah, and I go, uh, I'll take the jump seat if that person wants to take my seat. They go, perfect. So they had to call the captain, the captain had to call whoever they need to call. And tell them, hey, now we have a jump seat, which I took the jump seat because I'm able to. We move some people around. They're like, perfect. So we take off. We get to Houston 10 minutes early. As I'm getting off the flight, I see Jordan. And Jordan, uh, he's like, hey, what's up, man? I was stalking your flight. I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. He walks me to my gate. I think seven minutes from boarding, I run into the bathroom and I change because I'm like, I'm not flying with my uniform on. So I change. I make it to the gate. As I make it to the gate, I get a seat. It wasn't the most comfortable seat, but it was a seat nonetheless. We go, 
And I thought to myself, thinking about having to do all that was very daunting. In my head, I just thought, just don't do it. But once I was in the air, once I was on my way, I thought, this is two things. I'm going to a country that I've never been before. That's exciting. Number two, even everything that I went through, it's, it's a story. It's an experience. I'm normally closed off to things like that because I'm like, I, I don't want to deal with it. I'm like, fuck that. I don't want to deal with it. But then when I'm there, I'm like, oh shit, this is actually kind of cool. And it was dope. I was able to kind of sleep. I saw somebody who I used to fly with in LAI working the flight down to Argentina. So that was cool. We ended up landing. Um, somebody came to pick me up. Somebody from the team from Boca Juniors came to pick me up. They took me to the hotel. Got to the hotel. Uh, I got to see Bruno in the morning. I had to wait a little bit because, you know, I think I got to the hotel at like 9 a.m. And check-in wasn't until, I think check-in wasn't until like 2 or 3, but they let me check in at, I think, like 11. They were very nice. Put all my stuff in the room and walked around the city a little bit, got some food. It was really cool. And then it was cool that everywhere I saw there was Boca Junior stuff. There was other teams. You know, I saw River, River, River Plate stuff also, but there was a lot of, you know, people just walking around with Boca stuff. Um, and then it was awesome because I was thinking, man, I'm going to a stadium that I've wanted to go. I've wanted to experience it. It's, it's an iconic um, stadium down in Argentina. Bon, la, la Bombonera. Bombonera, yeah. La Bombonera. I was like, man, how cool. And then Jonas set me up with one of his friends down there to take me to, I think they call it La Previa, the, the preview. That's where you just pregame. It was cool because he set me up with that. Uh, again, after lunch, I got to hang out with Bruno for a little bit. And then Jonah's friend picked me up. And I was nervous because I didn't know this person. I speak Spanish, but I don't always use my Spanish. So there's a lot of words that either people don't understand what it means because that's, that's the word I use. And then I think like, well, am I going to have to explain it to them? What if they use words that I don't understand? And then I go, what is that? Then they don't know how to explain it to me. Again, I speak and understand Spanish, but am I comfortable enough just using it without any English? Like things like that make me nervous. I was like, fuck it. Just, I mean, just do it, man. And I did. And man, I had a great time. They took me to La Previa and there was, you know, singing Boca songs and P 
people just high-fiving each other, people, you know, we were cheersing people, we were having a couple drinks, we're having, you know, I'm hanging out with their friends, and their friends were very welcoming. It was an amazing experience. I had this uh, drink called Fernet. I remember Jonah calling me before I went, and he goes, hey, make sure you have Fernet with Coke. And I went, what? What is that? He goes, trust. Almost everybody drinks that shit down there. It's it's an it's a it's a liqueur it's a liqueur it's a it's a it's a drink it's an alcoholic drink, and you mix it. So I had Fernet and Coke. This huge cup, kind of like this. It's like huge. This thing's huge. Fernet and then Coke, and you know you take a drink and you pass it around. They're having beers. I caught a good buzz. I didn't drink in the stadium. I didn't even think about drinking in the stadium. I just, I was more concerned about the game. But I had, oh, what did I have? I had a choripan. Chorizo, a grilled chorizo. Just on bread. Put some chimichurri sauce on it. Oh, man, it was amazing. We walked over to the stadium, and then when I saw the stadium, I was like, oh, shit, that's dope. And then when I was in the stadium, I was like, holy shit. It was cool. I'm going to post some videos and pictures on here. And then this is Bruno's first season there. Uh, so it was cool to see him playing for his new team. I mean, the atmosphere was fucking amazing. They ended up tying 1-1. I, it looked like they were going to pull it out, but they didn't. And then after the game, I went out to eat with Bruno and his wife. And even that, I was nervous because I was like, oh, man, like, I don't. Like, Bruno knows who I am. I know who Bruno is. When we see each other, we say hi, we talk. But I've, I've never spent any alone time with him. I've never really talked to his wife either. But it was nice. And I told him, and it could have been, you know, the wine we were drinking. But I told him, I said, you know, I was nervous about coming down here by myself without Jonah. I said, but I'm happy I did. I said, because I go, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting to know you. I go, this is lovely. He was like, yeah, man, like, this is, this is really awesome. Like, you know, thank you for coming. You know, uh, you're going to have to come back, you know, again, either with Jonah or alone. It was just, it was just a really cool experience. And then he gave me this official jersey. Um, I have his name and number back. And it was just an all around good time. It sucked that I was only there for a day and a half. Because then the next day, I went to the airport at 4 p.m. Um, I wish I would have been able to stay longer, but I wasn't able to. But it was, it was a great experience. Then I ended up flying back, uh, made it home. It was, it was just great. I can't, can't wait to do it again. And then the last thing I want to say is the baby turned one. We officially have a one-year-old. 
This past Saturday, we had his birthday party. We had a pool party. Had some family and friends. Uh, it, was, it was really cool. And then Father's Day, we got to hang out. Allie's parents, me and Allie and the baby. And then yesterday for his birthday, uh, we were all able to hang out. And that was, that was really cool. That was special. Um, our little guy just keeps getting cuter and cooler by the day. It's, it's insane. I've said it once. I've said it, said it before. I can't imagine my life without him. It's crazy how much I love him. Uh, but yeah, that's the show this week. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Appreciate it. Uh, remember, tell everybody you know to listen or watch or listen and watch the Jesus show. Not that one. And I will see you next week.